1: Plug in and get
0: connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation.
1: We've collectively lived and worked in Asia for more than 40 years. After that long, one begins to wonder where home is. Is it where you were born, where you grew up, where you're living now? or a combination of all those. And the longer one is away from their country of birth and continent for that matter, the stranger it can feel when you return home for a visit. On this episode, we'll chat about things we've found odd, uncomfortable, and just plain strange about returning to the West after recent visits. Today, we're chatting about reverse culture shock. I'm Scott Coates in Bangkok and with me as always is...
0: Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Hey
1: Scott, good to see you. Good to see you. We're on the video here, although we only record the audio, but uh, yeah, we've logged a lot of hours looking at each other on our laptops as people have done with their friends, I'm sure, particularly in the last couple of years. And you and I both recently returned to our countries of birth and we kind of got talking about some of the quirks and thought, you know what, let's dive into things that we sort of find good, bad, and maybe just plain interesting about when we go home. And as I mentioned, I can't believe it's collectively, we have over 40 years in Asia. That's a pretty long time. Yeah. I also can't believe
0: we haven't done this specific episode already because, you know, a lot of these things I think we've mentioned, we've mentioned a lot, I think here and there throughout the episodes and culture is an an interesting thing. I think you and I are both interested in culture from an academic standpoint, even, and how You know, we've each both lived together in Thailand and you lived in Malaysia and I've spent a lot of time in other neighboring countries and our individual cultures are kind of unique now. Like what we do as customs or behavior or how we interact with people is this sort of like mishmash, you and I, that are fairly similar, but you're right. And then we go home to places like home for me maybe is Hawaii and for you is B.C., Whereas we both have, you know, maybe. that's what I'm saying. Like, you, yeah, I don't know, right? That's where you go home to spend time with your with your folks nowadays, yeah. So right. that's where your home is, where your family is, maybe sometimes too. But uh, it's a really interesting topic that uh, we we can have some fun with.
1: Yeah, indeed. And over my years, I, I tended to always try and get back once a year. And then there was times where that would stretch to two, two and a half years. So most recently, I went back in December and January. like So December 21 into January 22 for four weeks, which is great. But prior to that it had been August 19. So there'd been a two and a half year gap in between visits. And then prior to that uh, was April 19. So I actually got back twice in 2019, which is weird for me. But yeah, usually it's a year and a half to two year average. And I've, I find that gets a bit longer because in a year, if you want to see somewhere new, example, Georgia and, and Armenia, then there's not enough holidays in your year to, to make that big trip back again at home. But uh, I find every time I go back, it, it's a little more odd.
0: For me, one of the differences is like going home to visit my family in Hawaii. Like Hawaii is such an amazing, wonderful, warm and welcoming, beautiful place, right? So sure is. It, it's there still are some weird things, but that's way different from like I went back east uh, to New Jersey and New York City mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and I went to San Francisco, and that is like America. That returning home is a different kind of culture shock to me than than going to Hawaii.
1: Yeah, and I moved here in September ninety-nine. So boy, I'm at twenty-two years, right? And I kind of mentioned it, but you know, I I plan to spend part of my year, hopefully in the next couple of years in Canada and then the majority of it here in Asia. I'm not sure how to align those planets though. And and again, each time I go back, the further away that culture and just way of living feels to me. I'm definitely part Thai and part Southeast Asian to a certain degree and just familiarity and what I like and how I like to do things and even dealing with people. I think my years of working here, like I am softer with people than they probably are in the West. I dealt with someone from the West at work the other weekend, found them to be like extremely direct and almost borderline rude. But in their eyes, they definitely weren't. But I realized I've become a little soft in how to approach certain things from my, my time here.
0: Yeah, you know, when I turned forty, I made a, a pie chart and tried to figure out where I spent the forty years of my life, and it was interesting because uh, although I grew up in Vermont, I spent every summer at the Jersey Shore with my grandmother, and there's a big culture difference between rural Vermont and, and the Jersey Shore that that appears on MTV and, and whatnot. And I think at one point I had, I think at one point I passed living in Bangkok more than I'd lived in Vermont for the place I'd spent more of my life than, than anywhere else. But even over 18 years or so that I lived in Bangkok, that only added up to 10 cumulative years, I think, you know? Okay. So, so it is interesting. And, and so you, I think you adopt different aspects of different cultures wherever you go. And, and so there's cultural quirks everywhere. And, and now going home, I guess, is just uh, another quirky cultural place.
1: Yeah, I have 20 collective years here in Bangkok, two in Kuala Lumpur. And then I've worked in at least 10 countries in Asia. So yeah, I've got quite a few. Before we get any deeper into this, remember Trevor and I do this for the love of travel and the love of sharing travel, we have people called patrons, these are lovely people who sponsor the show from as little as a couple dollars all the way up to say 25 per month and you can do that to help us keep it going by going to patreon.com searching the show or clicking donate on our webpage and in between these regular episodes we'll share a patron only, shorter episode, maybe a video, something cool and we just recently talked about our plans for Thai and Cambodian New Year that are happening in mid-April. So get in on it, get that content. So Trevor, how are we going to approach this episode?
0: I did my outline just kind of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I just made ugly okay. like the, the the strange or different or weird, you know? So right. like these are some things that like when I go back to the United States, um, I, I think are better. Not better, but like I like it when I'm there that I experience these cultural things that I missed Whereas the next category would be when I'm home, why do American people behave
1: this way? Right. And I'm about the same, but uh, looking at Canada. And I always love looking at these outlines we make to see the points one another puts in and we've got some fun ones. So I think we're going to start with the good. Why don't you kick it off?
0: Okay. uh, One of the things that just popped into my head was... uh, maybe not as big a deal anymore but when you go back to the united states we have these amazing supermarkets and and they're massive and they have everything and we have a variety of different supermarkets we don't just have you know safeway and whole foods we have don quixote or tamora's or these little mini markets that sell amazing produce or poke or you know like such great things. Now, that got much better in Bangkok, and now Bangkok has some amazing supermarkets as well. But uh, I'm always amazed at the variety of items. Costco for Costco is so great. It's just fun oh, to yeah. walk around
1: there for a little while, you know? Yeah, we have one in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island where my parents live. And yeah, I get knocked out. Things like huge blocks of chowda cheese or brie for like $10, whereas here yeah, like a, a whole tiny whole piece Parmesan of you. 20 yeah and just there's not even a dip but there's like eight flavors of chip dip and you know you can find what you want at a low price that's not taxed high that's the thing here is a lot of things are taxed so be it A plastic food storage container or a pair of pants that actually fit and they have larger sizes than i need i love the selection and the prices tend to be really good at supermarkets but also just clothing shopping i find i can really get some steals and i and i love just the yeah the selection that's a really good one
0: my next one is uh something that maybe in hawaii it's particularly clean i'm always impressed not that asia is is dirty let's say but let's say comparatively I'm always impressed by how clean Americans are in general. I don't know. Like, I went to San Francisco a number of years ago, and it was the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, which is a big free music festival in Golden Gate Park, and there's multiple stages and people are allowed to set up pop-up food stalls for free, right. whatever, to sell things. And everybody cleans up everything, like volunteers and stuff like that. There was like no litter. It was amazing. It was immaculate, you know, and it's because people care and and there's a spirit of keeping your park clean in San Francisco, which is amazing. And, and not that these cities are dirty, like Rip. now that they have these new roads, they're like really good at cleaning and keeping them dust free and keeping all the leaves off and stuff. But people I think are a bit more carefree about tossing cups out the window and, and littering in general here.
1: Yeah. And obviously Asia is a big place. So like when we think about cleanliness in Japan, I mean, they're a first world country, they're light years ahead. But I think thinking about Southeast Asia here, you're right. And there's, I think it's one generation behind, like you'll still see people open a wrapper and just toss the wrapper sometimes on the street, Mm -hmm. which I think we were one generation further on that education about not doing it for me, it's nature and national parks, you know, I really miss not having to go far and being on a nice footpath around some trees and true nature in national parks, I find back in Canada, they're generally much better signed than here in Southeast Asia, particularly a bit cleaner, set up to be user friendly with some good information, some actually maps that are, are really good and overall better value for money for the cost to get in. And I find in Southeast Asia, as foreigners, we sometimes get charged more than I would pay for a national park in Canada. And there's just not really the facilities or things to go along with it are really adding value, you know. So one would be Kosamet, the island just in the Gulf of Thailand. is It's a national park. You pay to go there. And I always think, why don't they have beach walk? Here's a path to go to this beach, this beach, and it's this far and have a garbage bin at each of them. And like that kind of stuff wouldn't be hard to do, right? And it would make your visit a, a little more interesting, but often that kind of stuff doesn't exist. So I think our national parks and our green spaces are definitely a, a cut above uh, in Canada.
0: I'm going to go a different direction here, and I'm going to talk about uh, standing in line. And w- I, I like the fact that in America, people know how to stand in line. They're generally polite about standing <laughs> in line. If you have to like leave line to yeah. go do something and then come back, people will just no problem, you know. And and here it's funny because a number of years ago in Bangkok, my New Year's resolution one year was to start cutting in line more, just because. <laughs> just Thai style you know like if someone's not paying attention and you're in a hurry just kind of duck in front of them at the the BTS ticket office just to get a quick ticket right. you know because Thai people do that to me all the time at like a Obama pan or something like that you know like people are much more I don't know orderly about queuing in in the U.S.
1: yeah I can see that they're pretty pretty good in this part of the world but I can see your point on that well I'm going to on the theme of lines, you could make a good line on a sidewalk and that I find sidewalks back in Canada are awesome. And in Singapore, they're awesome. But in the developing countries, they will be missing squares from the sidewalk. There could be a random tree in the middle of the sidewalk. Uh, the one in Bangkok that always gets me is they use these squares for the sidewalks and they will be loose ones and you'll step on them after it's rained and it shoots up dirty water. The squishy squares, I call them all over your lake. So I just mm-hmm. love it when you go back to Canada or even Singapore and like the sidewalk is beautiful. It's flat. It's intact. There's not some like big tree in the middle of it or hazard or, so I just like civilized sidewalks and that's definitely a side of getting older for sure. But uh, yeah, kick ass sidewalks. That's a good one. I guess I've been
0: spoiled recently with the new ones in Siem Reap, but uh, I totally feel you. I forgot about those little tiles that splash you. Those are in Bangkok. Yeah, that sucks. Those things.
1: I always, when the rainy season starts, I kind of think it's fun for like how many days or weeks you go until you get hit by your first squishy square. Like I said, you (laughs) step on a loose one, there's a buildup of grimy water under, and it goes all up your leg. And that's to me, I always post it on Twitter. Ooh, first squishy square of the season.
0: Okay. This reminds me of one of my, uh, the bad topics, but I'll save it. Maybe it's not as good as I remember, but I always thought the service in the U S like in restaurants or, or shops and stores like, uh, we have good customer service in general. You know, I worked for Safeway as a secret shopper, and uh, and so I've always been interested in, in customer service. And just across the board, I think we have a very service-oriented mind in the U.S., and, and that kind of goes into the tipping culture as well. But, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate it in the U.S. how we, we do our customer service.
1: Indeed. And and the onus falls on me kind of with mine is that I, I love to be able to raise a grievance in my native language. And I mean, I should speak better Thai or Khmer or whatever, but I love it when you've got a situation and you call up the motor bureau or the bank, whoever it is, and you're able to fully express yourself. And try and solve the problem of the grievance. The other side, though, is I've f- found that while people are friendly with the service, they will be very firm back to you too. They don't kind of smile and aren't as pleasant if it starts to go down. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, you got to do this. Like, why isn't this?" They'll they'll come right back at you, which I found is can be a bit of a shock because you're used to people getting uncomfortable here and with the tension and just kind of smiling at you so but i do like that particularly banks i i I find after all these years the one thing that can make me lose my cool is trying to accomplish something at a bank here Mm. and my wife and i went to canada and we had a couple tricky things about our joint bank account and in like four minutes we went in she asked us for things we told her what we needed and it was done and we both kind of looked at each other thinking well this this can't be it this can't it can't be over. But yeah, it was solved. And uh, I got great joy out of that banking experience that day, Trevor. Yeah, the bank, I went
0: home, I standed in line at the bank instead of taking a number, which was a little bit different. And I didn't mind it either. Hmm. Again, everybody was pleasant to each other. And the bank tellers were nice. Yeah, definitely agree. I like that the customer experience at the bank. Speaking of banks, speaking of banks, um, here in Cambodia, we use currency. And I've had this happen in Myanmar as well. But anywhere like you have to use US currency over here. If there's any sort of like defect on it whatsoever, you can't use that currency. And and mm-hmm. in the U.S., like it's funny because I saved those to bring home to the U.S. because we don't really care what's written on it. I even found a, a U.S. dollar bill here that had a stamp caption for George Washington. So it said that he was saying, I grew hemp. So as soon as I got that, I was like, well, I'm not <laughs> going to be able to use that here. And it's on my fridge in Reap
1: yeah, the damage bill one's kind of funny. And I, I've noticed that if you're out drinking one night and people will try and get rid of their shitty bill onto you, like I've been given a bill, and you kind of maybe look at it and you're like, hey, 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 hang on here. Like, there's a tiny tear in this. Don't get, And they'll look at you and kind of smile like, okay, you got me. And then everyone's playing that game of trying to get rid of their slightly imperfect bill. This next one, it's kind of unfair, but it does happen, is... You don't see people grooming themselves in public mirrors. Like you see that in a couple of Southeast Asian countries, particular. You can get in a lift or be in a mall in front of a mirror and somebody will just start like squeezing a zit or really like looking at their nose hairs right around other people. And I've always found that a bit odd. And you don't get that in Canada. But the opposite is I can say that I think some people in the West seem a little dirty compared to those in Southeast Asia. The the level of cleanliness, like e.g., my clothes are clean, I shower twice a day and brush my hair, like I think that's a bit higher in Southeast Asia. It's not a big thing, but people really have those couple showers. They always look pretty well presented, whereas sometimes in the West, and I think it's maybe because we have winter and stuff and you just got to bundle up, but people can look a little messy and a little dirty at times.
0: Right, so you're saying that uh, people are more presentable back home? in general
1: no a little more presentable here i think sometimes in southeast Asia, even if they're poor their clothes tend to be laundered they're, they've had two fresh showers because of the heat i think it's they're a little more put together here oh
0: i thought this was why the good in when we were home
1: oh i'm sorry i've gotten it messed up i guess i reversed <laughs> you that, that one <laughs> you got that backwards
0: You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to borrow your next one because I realize now that mine was not quite right as well, speaking on what you just mentioned about some of the more riffraff looking people that you come across both at home and here. And it was just going to be about getting hustled. Whereas like here... There's lots of tourists here. I think in any tourist place, people are going to try and hustle Mm -hmm. you, you know? And I feel like because you mentioned that in the US, like that doesn't necessarily happen. But somebody who's trying to maybe hustle you might be a little unclean or a little too clean to try and cover up being unclean, if you know what I mean? Yeah. But otherwise, I like yours that like everything's kind of more straightforward and you, you put it on like a corruption level. But it seems mm-hmm. like, you know, I kind of like at home, the rules are the rules and you pretty much know the rules and society generally operates within those rules, you know? So like it may be difficult to get things done in the US, but at least like I can figure out what that that process is and there's not going to be any sort of BS or somebody trying to intentionally hold me up or, or shake me down, you know?
1: Yeah. And I want to be careful how I word this, but it is not uncommon to be driving and get pulled over for supposedly doing something or if you're getting an official piece of ID or permits and things to their, oh, they're, you're, you're missing this one document, but you can never really get a clear answer what it is, but it can be cleared up for, for a certain fee. So yeah, I like that. Like I went to renew my uh, driver's license in Canada and it was very clear, exactly. Like you need this, you need this, you need this, and that's it. Right. There's not, none of that's going to change. So that can get a little frustrating. Those, those random fees and stuff at times. So I see we're now on to the bad. Tell us about one of the bad things, Trevor.
0: Okay. So these are things that when I go back to the United States, I don't like. Like I don't like how their culture does it compared to mine I guess right and and the first one I think is is would be make sense to anyone but it's just food costs you know everything is is expensive in the US and I know there's like supply and demand issues and, and whatnot but there's I don't know that it's always because like a coconut costs five dollars in Hawaii you know and I, I have a friend whose job it is to to cut them down for the state or the city or county or something um, but like five bucks for a coconuts a lot yeah and and we're so used to eating out cheap eats you know on the street, Mm-hmm. Like food in, in in Asia is generally cheap compared to the to the U.S. And I don't think it's because we grow more food necessarily. I think also if there's a lot of there's a lot more BS. Like people can't just make street food stalls in the U.S. and sell pad thai noodles right. because there's so many hurdles to get over. So like that we don't have the opportunity to buy fruit on the street which we should be able to do in Hawaii. I mean, you can actually. Along the roads, there's little pop-up farmers stalls and and stuff. you know. But in general in the US, I don't think that there's the opportunity for a lot of good street food, which is unfortunate or cheap food.
1: Yeah, I mean, you need multiple permits around cleanliness and the safety standard of your stall and whatnot. So yeah, I'm going to support you on that one. The lack of street food. And I find just easy to get food on the go. I think in Asia, particularly, a lot of people... Have live in smaller units, so maybe they don't have a great kitchen. And so whenever you go to or from, it's very common to just grab food. And not only in Southeast Asia, but I even think of Japan. Like every train station or around public transport, there's always going to be places to sit down and get a quick bite to eat. They've really got food figured out here in Asia. I mean, you can, from fruit, which you mentioned, to a pretty decent meal on the go, you never really have to walk more than a couple hundred meters to get a tasty, affordable bite to eat. So I agree, that's not as good back in Canada.
0: Yeah, I think the problem is yeah, just the domination of fast food. That's what people eat in the US is is this, this shitty food rather than some fresh, healthy food, which is too bad. So I miss it when I'm home. Uh, what do you got next, Scott? You mentioned here something about the shopping malls, which could be fun.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big shopping guy, but I do find that if I have to go to a mall, is the shopping centers in Canada, they seem kind of, run down a little dark and dingy. They're just not that nice of a place to be and hang out. Whereas in a lot of Asian countries, like new malls are light years ahead of what we have in Canada for sure. And I'd almost say the West, like they're really beautiful, clean, really, really nice centers. So it depends on where in Asia you're talking about, but generally I'd say if I have to go to a mall, they're really, really good here. And the other thing I'll say is the ability to get, little things purchased and fixed just on the side of the road. E.g. my Birkenstock sandal is starting to separate. Hey, there's a guy that can glue it and stitch it for probably $2 US on the side of the road. Or, oh, I need my pants hemmed. Ah, there's a lady with a sewing machine just down the block and she'll do it for a couple dollars versus $15 at a mall. So I really like that ability to get those little things done just on your way on the side of the road for really inexpensive. So Asia's got Canada beat on that one
0: yeah you know, first on the the shopping mall one, you know you, in the United States, I think they're all closing down. I think they're just getting abandoned. you know they're turning into the dawn of the dead, or day of the dead futuristic it's happening you know right yeah and and actually i now as you talk about it think it's probably a bad thing because like amazon is getting everybody's things delivered to them so they don't need to go to the malls everybody orders everything online right but malls used to be part of this culture of like suburbia where people would come together it was like a central kind of place and that's what they are here they become here like there are these huge gathering places where people can do dozens of different things you know like there there's all sorts of cool things going on in shopping malls in Asia that I think make them really interesting community centers almost, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So from high-end malls to again, getting my sandals fixed on the side of the road, Asia's got the West beat on that one. Your next one is one of my favorites. This is the one I agree with the most.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And we've definitely talked about this on multiple shows just because uh, that's, that's the deal. It's important. And it's, uh, do you, when you go back to the US and they don't have bum guns and you have to rely on toilet paper alone to to clean yourself is savage. I say, it's just savage.
1: <laughs> it is. It's amazing. So in a lot of Southeast Asian countries, they'll have literally, it's like that little hose you would have in your sink and you just spray your bottom. And I remember it's weird when you first move here, but then it just makes so much sense. You actually clean your backside, then you're kind of drying and doing a final clean with a bit of paper. And this is probably more info than anyone needs. But like, my butthole kills after a few days back in Canada, because of all the paper you've had to rub. It's just it is savage. Like, why are we not on the program? Why do we not have like Japanese toilets where you push a button? and it sprays up like, come on, let's get with it, people.
0: Yeah, that was my first experience actually was Japan in the winter and I was in some I don't know, homestay or something. And uh I went and, and the seat was heated too. It was heated and it right. had like a built in you could get the temperature of the water you wanted and then it had right. a blow dryer, and, like a little air thing going. Like Like, I can't handle it when I'm home. Yeah, I can't handle it. I was
1: in one just on this recent trip through Japan, and you could turn a bit of music on so that it, I guess, overshadowed any sounds your body might be making while you're using the toilet as well. So I thought that was pretty neat. My parents, they're getting kind of popular, actually bought an add-on toilet seat that you can add then on in Canada that you got to rig some plumbing to it. But they have got the sprayer, and they put a bum gun. In their guest bathroom. So my nice. parents have upgraded their lives, and they have the bum gun. And Don and Sharon have it locked down. Now, your next one is completely different than the bum gun, but it's an interesting one.
0: The more I think about this next one, I think it goes both ways. But I still get culture shock when I'm back in the U.S. about uh, driving and the and the road rules. Like here. In Asia, there's a much more go with the flow kind of road rules, right? And and you sort of what's illegal and what's not legal is different, right? Or it is, but it's not enforced. So you sort of get used to rolling red lights and whatnot, and you got to watch out for people going the wrong way and, and things. But like sometimes. Driving in the US and you're sitting there and you're waiting at a red light in the middle of like some warehouse district where there's no cars around and you can clearly see in every direction. And I'm just like, can I just go? Like, am I really gonna wait until this thing changes? Like uh it's it's so different. So yeah, it's more of a ah, why can't I go? And now I can't even drive at all in the US because I don't I, I don't have a license anywhere. But here in Cambodia, I can drive without a license as long as the motor Cycle is 150 CCs or less, so that's pretty convenient. But even like, I know you should wear seatbelts, but when I was home in the states, like we have a back seat seatbelt law, which you probably have in Canada as well. But like, I'd never had worn seatbelts in the back seat, and sometimes you know you might want to if you're on like a highway or something, or depending on who's driving. But I don't, I don't want to have to wear it, and it's kind of annoying. and, and we definitely don't have to here.
1: I'm okay with seatbelts, but to add on, like you mm-hmm. saying rolling red lights, like I find it preposterous when you're standing to cross the road and there's no cars within a hundred meters and everyone still stands and waits for the light to say you can cross. Because I, I think like there's something, if you blow it, the punishment is built in, like you're going to get smoked by a car and it's just preposterous when you're standing there and you're like, it's completely safe to cross, but people don't. My next one is it's a double-edged sword on this one. People in Canada are known for being ultra friendly, which is great. And I love it. That said, the small talk can get to be a bit much. And my wife particularly mentions it after we go back is like, you go to buy anything and all of a sudden it's like, oh, the weather or your clothes or just, and it's nice. But at a point, sometimes you're like, all right, I just want to get in here, pay for this thing and get out. I don't want to have a, a big discussion about something. And again, it's one of the things that makes Canada great. At times, it can also just be a bit much.
0: That's pretty funny. Because again, it's just like, for me, that the way that sounds is like, you're just not used to being around so many Canadians, you know, right? Because you're all really <laughs> friendly. But if you're around that many friendly people, it's just like too much, right? So for me, it's a little bit different. And and maybe, maybe I've watched too many movies, like after 20 years away, but you know, I lived in the US, I lived in a bad neighborhood in Los Angeles. Um, there's a lot of crime in Waikiki, you know, like there's a lot more crime I feel at home than there is almost anywhere I, I go in Asia. Like, you know, occasionally you'll find yourself in some sketchy situations in different countries in Asia, yeah. but like for the most part, I, I'm not really scared of anything really bad happening like that. Whereas like in Hawaii, I know like people steal my bike in a heartbeat. You know, you got to be careful with all of your stuff. People are going to steal your shit. Yeah, people snatch your watch out of your hand and knock you without you seeing. Who knows, right? Crazy people with guns going into movie theaters or shooting up crowds at concerts. Like America's kind of a scary place. And uh, it's something I don't like.
1: Yeah, I agree. Everybody listening knows I used to run a kind of a luxury tour company. And we would often get Westerners who'd say, oh, is Cambodia safe or is Myanmar safe? And I'd sometimes send them stats for their country and say, look at the murder rates or petty theft in your country. I completely agree. is Here in Thailand, I put my driving glasses and my helmet on the motorbike for the last seven years. Never lost any of them. Like, it can happen. But that petty crime doesn't exist. My bad one about the West here is the size of things. Like, you can't just get an individual size snack anymore. I find like if you want a Coke Zero, it's at least a half liter. Like, you're not getting a 250 or even a regular can. Or if I want a bag of chips, it's you got to buy three bags or it's a, you know, a hundred gram bag. The size of everything is preposterous. And if you just buy that one thing, it's generally more than the giant one. So I, I always think it's a bit frustrating when you just want a snack or a drink.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that about the price. I was like, yeah, the giant multi pack is probably cheaper than than one individual one, right? But you're right; you can definitely like buy smaller things here. Like when I used to smoke, you can buy individual cigarettes or like three or five packs, or you know they they put them in the little baggies. And I even here in Cambodia, I saw Kirkland toilet paper, like individual rolls of Kirkland, which is the Costco brand, like single Mm roll. Somebody's like buying Costco stuff and then reselling it, but like. It's Yeah, it's funny. The costs of things are, are pretty crazy in the U.S., the way they're skewed towards bulk and volume and how large everything is. My next one is is on cost, but for transportation. You know, like taxis in the U.S., like we're so spoiled in Asia to, to like get around cities, whether it's like Songtaos, which are like these little mini open-air pickup trucks that they drive around in Thailand to to motorcycle taxis in Indonesia, Vietnam, like you just jump on the back of a motorbike for 25 cents, maybe a mile or less, right? Getting around in, in a city or a place seems to be so much more cheaper here than, than in, in western cities. I mean, I know that some cities in the U.S. have good public transportation systems and whatnot, but that's still not the same as jumping on the back of a motorbike and getting a zip across town.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And that was one of mine, particularly not enough taxis. There's not enough buses in the suburbs of these big sprawling cities yeah, yeah, the bus you're comes outside once an hour. Mm. I always miss the motorcycle taxi. I just every time I'm like, oh, I got to get a couple kilometers. Like can you just think, wow, if there was just motorcycle taxis. It would be so great. So yeah, it's tough without a car. Public transport's very expensive. You know, just getting a taxi, you'll easily spend $30 to go 10 kilometers or something. Uh, that's that's a pretty big one. My next one is is a double-edged sword because in some ways I mentioned that corruption and, and extra fees for things, that said, less corruption in the West can sometimes be bad because if you're in a rush, like I think I did something wrong on my motorbike the other year and I had done something wrong. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you know, you got to pay the ticket and go to this police station. And I had to meet my wife's family for lunch. And I said, "Ah, I got to meet my wife's family. I'm really in a rush. Like, is there any way we can take care of this now? And yeah, I was able to pay the fine on the spot. And therefore, I'm supporting corruption. But in some of those little cases, it is nice to quickly be able to resolve something and move on. I know it's not the best thing for society, though.
0: It's a facilitation fee. It's not really a, (laughs) but no, you know, when I was, when I was in Vietnam doing my MBA, I took business ethics and like 95% of my classmates were Vietnamese and they truly believe that such types of corruption were not immoral, you know, because it did, it was, it made things faster. Exactly why, like how could something that makes everyone's life better be wrong?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So you have one more here in the bed.
0: Yeah, and this one's like, I couldn't think of a lot of examples, but I feel like when I'm back in the US, like you get like nickel and dimed for lots of things. Like there's always like, every, nothing's free. Nothing's free back home. Like everything mm-hmm. costs something, right? So and the one example I thought of was like luggage carts. You know, like free luggage carts is such a luxury. And getting charged for them the first time was such a drag. And even a lot of airports used to charge for Wi-Fi. Maybe they're free now in the US, but like I felt like this is airline stuff. The next one too is carry on bags. Like there's, you don't even get a carry on bag included on domestic flights in the U S anymore, you know? So I feel like just Hmm. every time I'm home, like everything costs something, it seems.
1: Yeah. The luggage carts in the U S airports in Canada, they're generally complimentary. And I feel like, Hey, you're paying fees to go through an airport, like luggage carts. That's one that gets me on that note. I've found even at simple hotels, Like, the bellboy's kind of angry if you take your bag. We went into a very simple hotel. Mm -hmm. I'd pulled my suitcase a kilometer to get there already. We get in. I just want to go to the room. And the guy's kind of trying to take my bag. And I'm like, hey, I'm okay. And he was legitimately pissed off because he wasn't going to get the tip. But I'm also like, I've just dragged this thing a kilometer. Like, I don't need that. So there's a bit of that pressure. We're going to move on to the odd now. And you have a really good one here. This is a fantastic one. Okay.
0: Yeah, this is just things that are different, I guess, and I don't know whether they're better or worse. It depends yeah. sometimes. Um, and it was movie seating. The first time I had an assigned seat for a movie was to see The Cable Guy with Jim Carrey <laughs> at yep. uh, in Singapore, and I was like, All "What? Right. You get to like pick your own seat?" So like, because that's a game changer when you can sh- choose your own seat for movies. But I think you know when when I was home this past. Trip, we did pick our seats beforehand, so I don't know if that's. I kind of like sometimes. I saw Pulp Fiction at the Man Chinese Theater on, in Hollywood. Oh, cool! You know, yeah, for for Pulp Fiction, and it. it I don't that seats five hundred people, maybe I don't know, and they were all just in a massive crowd with some velvet ropes outside, and when they opened the door, that theater filled in like ten minutes max. Like everybody was seated so quickly, and it was so exciting, you know. So I don't know the. Mm -hmm. It's different. You know, I I hope that there's still theaters in the US where you can sit wherever you choose.
1: The pre-booking the seats is a no-brainer. And I've never understood why they don't do it in Canada because it makes it better for the theater goer because you have a seat. You don't have to worry about then standing in line to get in early to get a good seat. And you're always asking people in a row like, hey, can you slide down a bit? And it's better for the theater because they can more efficiently sell the seats. It's just such a no-brainer to me. I get it. One of my kind of odd ones is, and again, this goes down to not being as fluent as I maybe should be in Asian languages, but is understanding everything that's being said around you. So you sit down at a donut shop or a restaurant or in an airport and without even actively listening, like I'm hearing all the conversations, someone talk about maybe a date they had or having sex with someone or just all these things that when I'm sitting in Asia, I'm not picking up without making an effort to listen, all the random chatter around me. And I always feel like I'm hearing a bit more than I should be hearing about people's lives and stuff because I'm fluent in that language. I find that always kind of a bit bizarre.
0: Yeah, that is interesting because, uh, you know, lots of times here, even if I can sort of understand somebody's conversation in Thai, I've kind of trained my brain to turn off being able to listen to people in Thai. So it just becomes background noise, right? Or French or whatever other language, foreign language is a different part of your brain. Sometimes it's great to have everybody be able to understand you, you know? So like we talked about service before, if there's something wrong with your food and you're trying to explain why one of the ingredients isn't cooked properly or something, if your server understands exactly what you're saying, it's much easier for you to get that service. But I totally also agree that like, people like to talk too loud. People want to be overheard. They want to share their drama to the whole coffee shop sometimes, you know? And, and that right. can be kind of funny or and, and weird. Yeah, I think I was going to steal yours instead. I was going to talk about uh, the homeless and how, you know, I I'd, I'd been thinking I'd been thinking about this recently, um just because where I live in in Phnom Penh in Cambodia is next to a Buddhist temple and so there are some homeless people who sometimes are in the neighborhood because they're trying to get into the Temple, or they've been kicked out of the temple, maybe. But like, you don't see a lot of homeless people in Asia in general, you know, in my experience. And I've traveled quite extensively over 20 years, you know. I know there's like displaced people, refugees, and things like that. That's a different story, I think. Even though, you know, American homeless people are refugees of economic uh, oppression, I could say. Um, but we certainly have serious homeless problems in the United States. A lot of these people have like mental problems that aren't being treated and uh, are unwell physically or mentally. And it's really kind of sad and it's depressing and it's a little bit scary sometimes. And and uh, yeah, that's, that's one that you wrote down that I hadn't thought of, but it's a big difference.
1: Yeah, I agree. And every time I go back to Vancouver, particularly, or Victoria, the number of homeless and mentally unwell people wandering around, it's like a zombie movie, man. There's just... These people should be in a home. They need a facility. And I always go back and I think like, wow, like this is one of the most famous cities in the world, Vancouver. But it's like the walking dead outside. It's so sad and it's just so weird. And I agree, there's not nearly as many homeless people here in Asia.
0: Yeah, I guess that should have gone in the the bad. But uh, here's another one. That, Odd. This one's good, both good and bad. Uh, it's self-checkouts and self-service mm. in the US. Which i guess i mean it's bad because people are losing those jobs but they're not losing them yet because when i go to the supermarket and i don't know how to use the self-checkout machine there's someone there who comes over to assist you and i guess they cover five of those now but the self checkout's like sometimes it seems convenient sometimes it's like oh, this is going to take me longer than just buying it from the a person which i think is crazy and they have them at the airports now um they have uh, mcdonald's i think who knows i mean i know japan right. is an asian country that's always been interested in kind of self-service stuff but the rest of asia isn't so self-service like america and this new technology
1: yeah i'm with you I, I struggled with a few different machines that were self-service when i went back and i'm sure the people working there thought i was crazy so i support that this one i had happened about 10 years ago but i was out on a bicycle and the cars were stopped. So there was like a hundred meters of cars stopped for the light. And I just rode my bicycle between cars and there was tons of room. There was nothing dangerous about it, but multiple people honked their horns, yelled at me out the window, like upset that I was riding between cars at lights. And we would do that here without thinking. And I just found it preposterous that people think you're going to on a bicycle, I guess, sit at the back in your space and not just take your bicycle around all the cars waiting in the light. I I found that really weird. And people got upset, like really upset,
0: huh? Because in California you can drive your motorcycle in between cars, like in traffic and stuff like that. And in Hawaii, Hawaii, I think it's fine. Like I think if you do it, I do it on a bicycle all the time, probably. So I, I haven't noticed that one, but there's definitely weird rules for pedestrians and biking and stuff like that, that probably fall under this category. This one, Again, I don't know why it's in the odd. I guess it's just a weird thing that people do here that people don't do back there. Oh, I think I could think of a, a way to explain this. I think here in Asia, often you get people comment on your weight or, you know, like, <laughs> oh, you you look, you, look like you ate a lot on your vacation. You know, like they'll joke about mm-hmm. things that were a little bit more polite in the, in the U.S. But then I think in the U.S., we're more likely to insult our friends you know like like okay. once you're friends then you can insult people like really badly in like shocking ways that like here in asia they wouldn't allow
1: yeah i agree the one that always gets me is if you take a taxi ride i'm thinking particularly thailand and it's nice they're so friendly but you'll be on a long drive and during that ride you'll be asked you know how old are you how many girlfriends do you have you're married how much do you pay for your rent like all these questions, how much do you make your salary? I've been asked my salary and there's all these things that you would just never ask a stranger, let alone your friend. But there's no shame in that. Like you roll up to your, yeah, your apartment where you're getting out. Oh, how much do you pay on rent here? Like, so that, that, that personal stuff is, is kind of funny. I totally agree. My last one is a small one and it depends on the season, but in Canada, probably three quarters of the year, you'd want to throw on a sweater or a light jacket just to go outside. And that still throws me because now it's built into my head where I live in Thailand that it's always going to be hotter when you step out the door. Whereas in Canada, most of the time, you step outside and it's going to be cooler. So I find it throws me that feeling like, oh, it's cooler out here than it was just where I am. And it's kind of fun to put on a light jacket to go out. It sounds silly, but I kind of enjoy it.
0: No, that was funny. I was thinking about uh, I, I was home and I was talking to someone and and we were talking about like a like a thermos, you know, like a clean canteen or something like that. And it was the moment that I realized, oh, it could keep hot things from getting cold. Because like here, I'm so right. like the device, like all your thermos devices are made to keep things cold because it's so hot out. And then I realized, mm-hmm. wait, you could use the same thing in like a hot place where there's like snow and cold. That, that tripped me out.
1: I saw some work guys when I was just back in the guy who was having soup. He opened his thermos and dumped a yeah. bunch of soup in the cup from the top. And I had the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, it would keep hot things hot very well. But, yeah, we're only doing the cold things. So, yeah. man, I, I say this after a lot of these kind of shows, when we come up with the idea, we're not really sure does this have legs. And all of a sudden we've been chatting for 40 minutes um the one to me that always jumps out that we talk about is the bum gun i think that's the the number one thing for me that when i go back i miss uh, what other ones <laughs> jump out at you trevor
0: i don't know i you know i tend to kind of enjoy the good things now So when I'm home, Mm -hmm. like, actually, like, I think about these things now, like when I'm home, and I'm interacting, like, I pay attention to like, how the culture is different. And like, there's so many things like on every interaction you have with with people and and society is noticeably different in some way, you know, so like, I just seem to try to enjoy those experiences and differences. So, so maybe a year from now or so we can make a a second issue of this uh, episode.
1: Yeah, I agree. I enjoy the goods on both sides of it. None of these really bother me enough that it's a a major thing. They're just different. They're cultural elements, they're development elements, but uh, we love going between the two places. And I sure hope I get to spend more of my time in the West, although I do love Asia and you just need to learn to adapt to things and roll with it. And I've always found that if you're complaining too much about the place you're at, it's probably time to move on. So that's a good rule of thumb I've always tried to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, I think next time I go home, I'll just bring like a big army duffel bag full of coconuts. So then I don't have to worry about <laughs> uh, paying $4 more yeah. for each. Yeah.
1: And it's not uncommon for Asians to take a whole bunch of instant noodles like mama noodles over Rice. when they go to the West either. So we all have Rice our things. Dude, yeah. Remember, if you've enjoyed the episode, give us a, a positive rating wherever you're listening to us. Sponsor us on Patreon. And thanks for sharing your time with us.
0: Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. And, uh, Scott, we'll see you here on the show
1: soon. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Anchor Tom